and welcome to episode 11 of Why Comics, the comic podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. Uh, I'm Stuart Moraine, and this week I put the big question to Tom Stewart of That Comic Smell. Again, we talk for an hour, hour and a half or so about uh, comics, a general chit-chat, a few deviations off, as you've come to expect from this podcast. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy listening to it. I shall pass you back over to past me and past Tom and roll the theme music. I'm all right. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad. How's your day been? Yeah, it's been all right, actually. Um, it's not been as cold up here, to be fair. Um, it's freezing the past couple of days and was walking about in waterproofs and big fleeces and everything and then came out in the same gear today and was sweating my arse off in about two seconds. <laughs> so that yeah, was always fun. Swap weather. It's been Baltic down here. It's been freezing. Yeah. <laughs> it was lovely yeah. the last two days. <laughs> yeah. Just, when will so much as fuck off? It's, it's getting that warm way though, where I'm like, I'm just waiting for it to piss down at any minute. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the hot and cold is gonna meet, and I'm gonna get soaked. Oh, honestly, and being doing dog walking as well, being out in it all the time, I'm just like, please, please don't rain, please for the love of Christ. <laughs> that's it. I'm out doing posty job usually, so. All oh, right, oh, you, please, you, don't you, please don't rain. You know People the pain then. You know the pain. <laughs> I don't mind, but it always starts when I'm like far enough away from the van that it's not worth going back for me coat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like it's that. just sod's law. So by the time I get back to the van, it's like oh, I'm wet now. There's no point putting a coat on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I made the same mistake last week. Went out of the van and it was a wee bit windy. Got all the dogs out and was like, ah, it'll be fine. You know, the wind's picking up, but it'll be okay. Um, got far enough into the field that we're far enough away from the van and the heavens just opened and I was soaked completely. And it was like, I had the waterproof jacket on, fine. Nothing else. So I got into the sleeves, so it was in the jacket anyway. It was soaked trousers through the boots. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> there comes a point where the waterproof coat it just starts holding water, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so you cease really to be does. waterproof now. Yeah. <laughs> You are completely it, defeating your means. Thank you very much. If anything, you're drier on the outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's horrendous. I feel like that bit in The Simpsons with Ned Flanders. Like, I feel like I'm wearing nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but on that note... <laughs> It's going to be the most awkward segue into the question. <laughs> it's fine. There was Simpsons comics, weren't there? <laughs> there were. Yeah. I used to love the Simpsons comics. <laughs> same, dude, same. But So yeah, now that we're on comics, <laughs> uh, I shall ask you the question. Tom, why comics? Now, mate, this, uh, this question has been plaguing me ever since the uh, the first time I heard that you were doing this podcast. <laughs> I, uh, I genuinely thought about it myself, even before the thoughts of coming on or anything came into fruition. And I was sitting like, God, how would I answer that question? Like, on, like I honestly have no idea. Because I, I, 
I mean, I don't, I don't do comics. I doodle on the off chance and maybe do a couple of strips or whatever. But I am just a hardcore appreciator of comics, and I had to kind of maybe come at it from the point of why do I choose to keep coming back to comics, kind of thing. Why does it? Why does it keep a grip on me? more than anything and why why should people why should people kind of care about it kind of thing um so that's my kind of that's my kind of <laughs> angle about it to be fair um if i've heard everybody else going on about it and they, they speak really eloquently on it and they, they get into really quite sort of life philosophies about it and and they start off being everybody starts off the same like why comics like why god i'm gonna come away with a lot of pish well get ready folks because i really am gonna come away with a lot of pish so you're fine (laughs) um i I just think that something that is so divisive something that's so diverse something that can literally cover words and pictures can have the art world intrigued but also have some of your biggest literary folk have taken a look has to have something in it i mean these comics literally have brought on some of the biggest controversies going i mean there's people died for comics there's people who have used comics to save their lives. Now, I don't mean literally just by reading them. I mean, l- literally in... Um, there's a, a comic, Facts from Sa- Savajero. I can not I can never say it properly. Um, by... Oh, God. Who is it again? Can you remember? I can't remember who, who it was. I want to say... Mm, facts from Savajero. Eh... I can't remember who it was, but either, either way, I'll, 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 look, I'll look it up eventually and get the, get the name. And I'm, I, it's going to be sacrilege because it's somebody that's huge as well. And I can't even, I can't even remember off the top of my head. Um, but there's a bit in that book where the person that they're, they're writing about in the story literally packs their car with comics from top to bottom um, so that when they're going across war-torn countries and they're being shot at, the comics will absorb the bullets. Now, this is actually true accounts of what happened when this was going on, when all this was going on, and, and there was these wars waging out, and it probably still waging on just now, you know. Um, but they were literally using comics to save their lives. Um I just like I think about little bits and little things like that about how things like films and stuff and people people going about how films and music saved their lives and all this kind of stuff and how the meanings and stuff saved their lives. But this was actually a physical thing saving yeah. this person's life. You know what I mean? Um, but also, on a sort of metaphorical standpoint as well, it does save people's lives with what people write and how people put their biographies or they're uh, explaining things about illnesses or or anything all all in these pages but given that sort of visual angle as well as writing as well it's it's i think it's an incredible medium overall i mean i know everybody goes on about it but i'm assuming you 
feel the same as well. I mean, you you podcast about it and everything as well, and you've done your own comics and that as well. I don't even know what a comic is. Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's sort of why I started this, because I was just sort of fascinated to hear other people's and to see whether it was the same sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but, um... yeah, it's it's such a weird thing, isn't it? Uh, like you yeah. say, just the... <laughs> the actual physicality of them say, literally saving people's lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um it's just it's just unreal. It's I can't think of anything that I can't think of anything that's been <clears throat> sort of so close to disappearing as well and being able to get brought back so heavily and, and with such a such a veracity as well. I mean, if something sort of pop culture at all or something like such as comics but something pop culture at all sort of starts to disappear it tends to die off and disappear comics seems to survive and it seems to <clears throat> adapt depending on what generation is going on kind of thing um it's just a really odd thing i mean there's so much history and there's so many facets and and outlets and everything that that comics sort of what's the word i'm looking for here sort of um adapt to and then grow to and it's 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 just such a a, a versatile medium overall but <clears throat> i get brought back to it all the time just purely and it's going to sound odd, but I purely get brought back to it more than anything on a visual standpoint. Um, I was quite a, a sort of, I, I grew up in quite an arty and sort of creative family. Um, none of my, like none of my parents were like artists or anything, but my my dad was very heavily into appreciating art, and I had an auntie who was uh, uh, quite a, a a very vibrant and beautiful artist you know yeah um so i i, I grew up with um with art kind of surrounding my life and it was a very sort of a creative outlet a very creative childhood um and comics very much appealed because it was storytelling on this sort of visual basis but i come back to the visual aspect as well because when i was younger i couldn't really i didn't really have the attention span to read at all but having something like the Beano or the Dandy or something where the visual aspect really counts for a lot of the story um, meant a hell of a lot you know what I mean that was kind of my storytelling right there yeah I know what you mean I was always the same with books partly because I was picturing it in my head so much that I was losing track of the actual story yeah I think having the visuals there kind of takes that element away from you you can focus on the words a bit more yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say that, you know, comics didn't teach me to read, but they taught me to appreciate reading. Yes, yeah, very much In a so. way that a book didn't necessarily do. Yeah, very, very much so. I'm, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm very much in the same the same kind of <clears throat> standpoint there that it's I've, I've gotten more like that as I've gotten older as well. <clears throat> if I find it hard to focus on words and I'm finding it hard to focus on the kind of subject through reading i'll tend to then flick through a story by looking at all the pictures and then go back and maybe read it again kind of thing and absorb the story visually more yeah. than anything um 
but that's how interesting is that that that's something that you can do with comics like with with them on a whole like they give they they're literally telling you a story in two ways it's not like a film where you know if you turned the sound off on a film let's let's be serious 90 percent of the time you'd be like what the fuck is going on <laughs> like what's happening what's 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 going on here or if you watched a piece of music being performed without the sound or whatever you'd be like that's great but i have no idea what's what's going on there whereas with a comic you can still kind of get well depending on who's doing it to be honest depending on how talented the person is but um you can still get the story without the words and you can still get the story without the visuals really as well yeah um I just find it utterly fascinating. I, 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 it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, a, it's an unbelievable thing. And it's, it's something that's stuck with me throughout my entire life as well. I've never, I don't think I've ever kind of deviated off of comics at, at all. I hear a lot of people <clears throat> um, say that when they got to like their teen years, they kind of ditched comic books. Or it just kind of fell by the wayside because of mates or whatever, that kind of thing. But I think I was really, really lucky that a lot of my friends, I think, were very much like me. And at that time when I was growing up and got to that sort of teen age, uh, comics were still a big thing for them as they were for me kind of thing. So we used to go to the library either on our own or all of us together and get a bunch of comic books out together or we'd chat about comics or there was comics like within our music or whatever. I mean, we all, especially in my teen years, we used to listen to Coheed and Cambria and, uh, you know, Claudio Sanchez is a comics writer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, picking those little bits up in between, you just kind of keep following that as it goes. I think the only time I really ever kind of, not fell off, but deviated, maybe didn't read as much, was maybe my early 20s, roughly. But I still had them. I, I still had a, a large shelf of them, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I sort of hid it a bit. When I was at school, my group of friends were either, you know, accepting of me as a comic fan or were interested in finding out about them as well and reading them uh-huh. too. And a couple of them I used to swap comics with. But then, yeah... Sort of late teens when I, because I didn't bother with college, I went straight out to work. So once I started yeah. working, I sort of hit it a bit. And then when I, you know, wanted to start meeting girls, I kind of, <laughs> they, they were in a box in the cupboard with just porn written on it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was, I was, I was odd, man. I, I just really didn't want to, I really didn't want to let up. And I'm not like, I'm not um, bullshitting on this. Like, like a lot of people, like you, you would imagine people would say that and be like, no, I didn't, I didn't let up at all. And it's just because they're a massive fan. I genuinely didn't let up at all. I, I remember when I was younger, I genuinely thought that a way, <laughs> a way to get a girl to get interested in me was to tell her about the comics I liked. <laughs> See, I deeply regret not doing that because I genuinely think that a lot of my personality comes out when I talk about comics. Yeah. Because I have a genuine passion for it. And I think that's something that's, I mean, I'm passionate about film as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I never connected with film or I connected with film in a different way to the way I connected with comics. Right, okay. Because I couldn't watch films as a kid because I didn't have a telly in my room. I had to watch whatever my parents watched. Right. Kind of thing. So, which is possibly why I have a slightly broader film knowledge at a younger age than 
anybody else my age sort of thing so i was watching weird shit right. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that my parents were watching but yeah comics were my thing i'd you know i'd read comics i'd learn to draw from comics mm-hmm. i'd spend hours reading and rereading comics and because mm-hmm. they were a cheap affordable way to get entertainment <laughs> yeah it's odd they they uh they really were at that at that time <clears throat> at that time um when you were younger, they were kind of a cheap and affordable way. Especially, I mean, I've been quite a a, a, a kind of current uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A constant sort of motif that I noticed throughout my life and in correlation with comics is that I have been quite lucky. Um, first with the friends, but also that our library carried such a large comic section as well. Yeah. Um, I think just would be in sort of the home of DC Thompson's because it's because it's Dundee. I think we for a while we did have a kind of a, a pride on our our sort of comics heritage. Maybe not so much these days. I do notice a dwindling <clears throat> sometimes of the the comics section within the within the libraries here. I mean, it's still it's still quite diverse and stuff, but I do notice it dwindling sometimes these days. But back then, poof, I mean. I don't think I would have found half the American stuff, especially like your, I mean, your DC and Marvel and everything. But the only way I would have ever found that and did find it was was through the library. Yeah. Um, I, I maybe would have found a couple of DC stuff through a family member of mine, my cousin. I mean, she, he was a huge geek as I was growing up. So that was, once again, extremely lucky because <laughs> I had somebody in my family that kind of introduced me to them quite early on you know what I mean um, yeah it's just it's something that's just never ever disappeared for me at all really and like I say I had that I had that slight slump and I kind of had to find a way-ish back into them so early 20s but that's where podcasts kind of came in and helped me out a little I mean I was always listening to Kevin Smith anyway yeah. So I always had him talking, sort of preaching comics, but even he, he'll say himself he's not a current comics fan kind of thing. No, I'm sort of slipping into that age now where I'm more interested in going back and filling gaps in my yeah. younger collection than the newer stuff. I yeah. Keep a toe in, but <laughs> yeah, totally. a lot of the time it's kind of like, I'll just check that on the pile and I'll read it one day. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. There's so much of it now. Dude, it's you know what what do you want to do you want to go back to something that you're guaranteed you know you'll like or do you want to keep going forward and maybe being like yeah that was all right like that was okay oh that was great but uh, this next one isn't so good you know what i mean like yeah i think that's where they get you with the collector mentality isn't it yeah it's like yeah. i've been buying green lantern for so long now it's like can i really just give it up <laughs> <laughs> that's very true but there's, there's got to come a point where it's kind of it's like a fiver a month <laughs> on yeah. one comic kind of thing I think and I'm that's... not reading it I'm so far behind on Green Lantern now <laughs> I think that's what's put me off of a, a pool list a lot of the time is it's just it's too much to dedicate money wise monthly kind of thing I didn't really I've never really been one for subscriptions or that until the advent of Netflix Yeah. before then I never even Never managed it. Even when I had a bloody gym membership, I would cancel it every other week. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how they get you with the gym. Yeah. 
No, it's I would just cut... easy money running a gym. A lot I'd of just... gym owners say that. Yeah, I'd just cut them off at the source. I'd cut the direct debit off and be like, hey. <laughs> Um, it's it's fine to fuck a gym over. It's a bit worse to fuck over your local comic shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the other thing as well. I wouldn't want to put in a pool list and then not be able to afford to come and get the books, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's scary how quickly it can mount up from like a tenner a month to like, yeah, missed a couple of months. Shit, I owe like a hundred quid now. Yeah, exactly. And there's always the thing as well. If you if you're as interested in comics as we are, you're going to have other comics mates. Nine times out of ten, one of them is going to have a pull list who actually reads the books and pays for them and stuff. So let's be fair; you could just, if if you're not going to be consistent with it and you're not going to be able to keep up the payments, if you're a good enough friend, you could just ask them, "Can I just borrow that?" Like once you're done with it. Yeah, I mean that's how we used to do it with one of my friends. Is that I'd get certain ones on my pull list, he'd get certain ones on his, and we just sort of swap. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, give each other our own ones back afterwards, but. Yeah, exactly. And that was how we sort of made it affordable, even as teenagers, because in the mid '90s, it was what about a quid, probably at most, for a comic, fifty p, seventy p. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which <laughs> it's scary to think now how cheap they were. It is. It's so so scary, and it doesn't even seem like that long ago either. It's... No, that's it. It's like when I was thinking that everybody was like, "Batman's thirty years old this year." It's like, is it? Is it <laughs> Tim Burton one. I was like, "Fuck!" I remember when that came out. Yeah. It's funny because they say oh, Batman's 30 years old and you go, oh, I thought I really thought Batman was a bit older than that. Tim Burton. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought you meant Batman on a hole. Oh, no. no. <laughs> it's like, no, Batman's 80. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> that hurts. That really hurts. Uh, yeah, well, my it's... current continuity is about six months old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. But me and... Um, me and David from uh, from the podcast were having that conversation about the amount of things that you think about these days. Uh, if you ever say that wasn't that long ago, chances are it's going to be at least 10 plus years. Well, so I'm still, if somebody says oh, it was like 30 years ago, I instantly think, oh, so that's like the 60s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I still <laughs> do the same. <laughs> but it's not the 90s anymore, Stu. Yeah. Will I? <laughs> I still do the exact same. I mean, I'm, I, I mean I'm, I've just turned... 30 this year and I still when somebody says 30 years ago imagine it being like the 60s or 70s so the world was black and white and... yeah <laughs> it's like oh god a time before any, anything known as cable or you know, no, no mobile phones no nothing the advent of letter writing hmm. it's, it's just fucking terrifying yeah it is it's really scary time's just moving way too quick and I think it's, we were, we were saying this the other day, I think it's a lot to do with people really just don't want to be living in the time that we're having just now. So they're like, please just hurry up and fucking move on. Please just get better. <laughs> so they're just hurrying everything along and then they're noticing that it's just, time's disappearing. And it's like, but nothing's getting better. <laughs> I think it's just things seem to come, so many more things seem to come so quickly now. Yeah. So like cinema, you get a Marvel movie every year or something or... We're getting a Star Wars movie every other year, that sort of thing. That seems to make time go quicker. I've got kids now, so that makes time go quicker because everything's broken down into six-week blocks. Yeah, I was going to say. That's a half-term holiday, half-term holiday. You've got the thing of watching them growing up as well and being like, oh, no, stop. Please stop. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like everything's just so quick. And you think how much technology has moved on in just 10 years. 
Yeah, no, but that's the thing. Technology is is the thing that's that's the scariest, is how quick that's moved on. Um, I mean, we're all holding things in our pockets now that have got more power than like fifteen hundred uh, space rockets combined. From that's it. <laughs> it's just it's just unbelievable. It's, it's, it's like, so I've got crazy. the equivalent of my school computer lab in my phone. <laughs> yeah, more yeah. so. <laughs> it's just it's. Unbelievable, but then <clears throat> bringing it sort of bringing it back a wee bit though. Um, speaking about that, think of how much comics has had to sort of grow and adapt since then as well, though, and has actually managed it, whether successfully or unsuccessfully. It's it's still going. Yeah. And I think somebody released the pictures the other day that showed you like the sales of the top five comics over the past like twenty years or something like that. Right. And it was like. It was like units sold or whatever, and uh, the top five from this year, this month or whatever, compared to twenty years ago, is like almost double, or something like that. And it's like, well, people are saying comics are dying. They're clearly not. Like it's still growing. It's just something's changed somewhere where we think it's not doing as well. What is it? Is it something to do with the stories, the quality of the output, or or is it something... I think that's a big thing, certainly. That's why I think small press is booming as much as it is, and why those small presses on Comic-Con circuits and that are doing such big business at the moment. Yeah. Because yeah. comics have never been... Well, comic characters have never been bigger. Mm-hmm. And I'd argue to the degree that comics communities have never been bigger. With the advent of the internet, and yeah. I'm not including the you know, you don't understand comics because you've never read the Dark Knight Returns kind of thing. <laughs> I'm talking about the genuine comics community, not just the people who watched a couple of movies and read oh. a couple of key issues kind of thing. Fuck's oh, sake, yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's a bugbear right there. Cool. <laughs> you don't like Batman v Superman because you've never read a comic. It's like, oh. fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's the thing, that, the thing that I hate is when it's like, oh... You know, such and such Marvel films coming out. Oh, I love such and such a character. Blah blah blah. And you're like, oh right, did you? Um, where did you get into them? Oh, through that movie. Like, right, okay. And then they start coming away with like the character's backstory. So like, likes a Thanos or something. They're like, oh, Thanos is going to be in this one. Yes. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize you were such a huge Thanos fan. Oh yeah, because of, and they rattle off a bunch of history. And I'm like, oh, so what's your favorite comic? Eh? I'm like, oh my god. Like. How do you know all this stuff? And how can you be so pumped for somebody coming and not know any of the books? That's it. It's, I mean, that's how I got into comics was through like the Christopher Reeve Superman films. And then mm-hmm. I picked up a Superman comic because I recognised the logo from the film. Right, okay. But it, it just seemed to be that way. I think because there's such a mythology within the films now that people don't feel the need to go to the comics like they used to. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. with every film that comes out, you probably pull in a... Let's be generous and say a hundred or a couple hundred people worldwide will pick up a comic for the first time. Yeah. However many of those then stick is up for debate, but it does still do the job of reaching a small portion of the audience. Yeah. Well, there's getting that, them into comics. There's that thing as well of um, having the characters sort of in the zeitgeist kind of like sort of plants that seed. Um, and so people recognise the characters then. They may not know where they recognise the characters from, they may have been too young, but they then recognise them. So whether they then attribute that to maybe the first comic as opposed to where they actually saw it yeah, uh, is something. Because I, I think I was like that with... Um, I definitely think I was like that with Superman. 
because my cousin had like one of the first one of the first ever sort of American outside of like the Beano and Dandy stuff. One of the first ever comics that I read was uh, the Death of Superman. Now, I'd never read any other Superman before that, but I knew who he was. I hadn't yeah. seen the films. I was way too young to have seen any of the movies or anything. Um, I hadn't seen. I think I maybe might have seen like Lois and Clark on the te- like Adventures of Lois and Clark on the telly or something like that. But I wasn't really, you know, by by all intents and purposes, <clears throat> you wouldn't call me a Superman comic fan. But I knew who he was. I knew who Lois Lane was. I knew his mum and dad. I knew Jimmy Olsen. I knew most of the Justice League that were in the comic. And even then, they're the Justice League International. They're not really <laughs> the Justice League that you would know. You know what I mean? What's it? What's his name? Blood. Blood, uh, Bloodwind. That Bloodwind, was, that's it, yeah. It was actually Martian Manhunter, if I remember rightly. Oh, was it? Right, okay. Um, um, but yeah, you had like Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Guy yeah. Gardner. Who the fuck are these people? But it's funny because for the longest time I thought that was the Justice League. So when That's the, actual... the Justice League I love. And when they did yeah. that formerly known as the Justice League run, which was genius. Yeah. Well, we, we occasionally on the podcast, we occasionally make our way through uh, Justice League International. We started at the first one and we're now up to volume three. We'll eventually get to the end by maybe ten years from now or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were my they were my Justice League. Um, so when it was like, oh, the Trinity, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, I was like, what? Like, I don't remember any of this at all. Like, you go back to Death of Superman, Batman doesn't actually show up until funeral of her friend. Yeah, he's that's not, it. It's just a cameo kind of thing. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's actually in the trade for. The death of Superman at any point. He no, may... he's not. No. It's those core ice, fire, bloodwind, Guy Gardner, Booster Gold. And even then, Guy Gardner isn't a lantern at that point either. No, he's uh, been kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a ring, but it's not a lantern ring. He's yeah, got he's a yellow got ring. Yellow ring, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still, like, it's just unbelievable. But it's that whole thing of, like, Superman was so in the zeitgeist and so there that I must have just picked up on who he was. I think we had a we had a conversation once about Incredible Hulk, and uh, the guy sort of asked, oh, what, what was your first Hulk memory? And I said, you know, I can't actually remember. I just, I think I just instantaneously knew who the Hulk was. And there's that thing of, like, people going about how the films are sort of damaging comics, or would it kill them to promote the comics, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's a fair argument, but also... Think of the amount of people that are unconsciously taking in all these characters, then a couple of years from now may pick up a book and be like, I know this guy. How do I know this guy? You know what I mean? Or I know this this uh, Captain Marvel or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they just know them now. Well, that's it. I mean, there. Saturday morning cartoons were a godsend for picking up. Yes. For, like super friends where you're like, oh, that's who Aquaman is. Yeah. Yeah. I think my whole I think my whole knowledge on Spider-Man comes from the, the old sort of... Um, Fox the nineties one. Yeah. yeah, I think my whole knowledge of Spider Man comes from that because I mentioned something to somebody about Spider Man. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it might have been the bit the when Peter grows other arms. Yeah, and becomes like the actual. Sp- and I mentioned that, and and I'm crawling on the roof and stuff like that. And they're like, I don't think that was put into the books until much later. I'm like, really? It's like, yeah, but it was in the 90s TV show. I'm like, fuck, I always thought that was in the books. 
I just, well, I mean, was never a massive Marvel fan as a kid. Most of my Marvel knowledge came from those cartoons. Yeah, yeah, totally same. Exactly same. So, because I could only afford certain books, and I was way into Superman by that point. Yes, exactly the same, dude. Exactly the same. So, and then Batman from the Tim Burton film was my sort of proper introduction to loving Batman kind of thing. Um, mine was definitely Adam West. Yeah, uh, it was my first exposure to Batman, I think, but I yeah. think I genuinely fell in love with the character with um, Michael with Keaton. Michael Keaton, right. I, th- I I had a lot of the imagery from Michael Keaton. I never saw the film, obviously. It was, it was too old for me. I mean, God, it came out in the year I was born, so I can't really say anything. Um, but it was it was too old for me, but we had... Way to make me feel old. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry dude. <laughs> um, but we had we had imagery of it all over the house. I mean, my dad had a... Well, I've, st- I've still got it upstairs. Um, he had a, a badge collection on a jacket, and he's got badges from... I think they must have come from either a newspaper or a Happy Meal. Not, not Happy Meal, but like a McDonald's promotion or something. Yeah. And it's badges of sort of screen grabs of Batman and Joker and the Bat logo and stuff like that. Um, so I used to see them like everywhere. And I had <clears throat> little beanbag balls that I'd got from McDonald's and stuff that were like Batman logos on them and shit like that. I had Batman so, trainers that were like daps. Yeah. So they weren't quite converse with Because that summer was fucking mental. Yes. You couldn't fucking walk around a street corner. Like, people were getting the bat symbol cut into their heads. Like, yeah. Shaved into the back of their heads. <laughs> yep. It was fucking... My parents had never let me have it. <laughs> no. Which I'm kind of glad about now. <laughs> <laughs> In high tech. Um, but at the time I was like, well, I want to look like all the other cool kids. <laughs> well, there was, there was another thing of... Um, there was another thing about the, the Bat logo. At a time when having t-shirts that had any sort of superheroes on them at all, maybe sort of, let's say, early to mid-2000s, that that would have been a bit of a faux pas. Like you, people would yeah, have been walking past. It was social suicide. <laughs> yeah, people would have been walking past. Like, what the fuck is he wearing? But me and my friends were wearing that. Like, I was going about in a Superman T-shirt that I'd bought from America, on on not well, not me. It was I'd given money to somebody who was going to America to bring me back a Superman T-shirt. I never made it to America. To <laughs> um, <laughs> we went to Berwick. You know. Um, <laughs> Good holidays, Flamingo Land, <laughs> shit like that. Um, but like, I would, they came back with a, a Superman t shirt, and my pal went about wearing a Batman t shirt and stuff like that. You know, we were the guys that still were championing superheroes at that time when everybody else is like fucking geek. You know what I mean? I've, it's been, once again, massively lucky because I, I think, I honestly think, sometimes think of like, if my friends had been put off by comics what would have happened yeah um i just like if i had been ashamed of my collection i mean my my parents were really good as well like my mum my my mum and dad as i was growing up when i was wee was really really good at getting us an annual every single year so i was always i'd always have them sort of there and always had commandos lying about like my granny and granddad always had Urwally and the bruins and commandos sitting about for me to read and stuff like that Every time we went round, uh, and then as I got older, my dad very nicely tried to introduce me to the Killing Joke, and I was <laughs> I was too scared of the Joker, so he was just like, oh, okay, and 
as much as he was being lovely and gracious and putting it back, like, it's fine, it's okay. I, it, there was just that hint of, like, fuck. <laughs> well, I had the greatest Joker stories ever told, a Titan UK reprint. Right. And in that, it had the one with the, uh, the smiling fish. Oh, nice. <laughs> and there's a couple, and there's a bit in that where, I, is it that one or one of the other ones? It might have been the Joker's five-way, whatever it is, the Neil Adams one, where a cat with a Joker smile jumps at a guy. Oh, and then okay. when he comes away, he's got he's dead and he's got the Joker grin. That fucking terrified me. It must have been about eleven. Yeah. Possibly twelve. I was. I was like, this this is a bit too grown up for me. I'll go back to the sixties one where it's fun and Batman's giving crime classes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that was the thing. Me, me, my dad used to watch, um, but what we called the the original Batman series. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't sixty six at that point. This this is a, a a new revelation that's come along recently. People calling it sixty six. It was the original Batman, but we used to watch that all the time. So I think he just thought like, oh, he's into Batman. Um, and Cesar Romero was pretty scary <laughs> to be fair. Um, so I think he thought like, oh, I'll give him a shot. And somebody had given him it, and he's like, oh, I'll see what he thinks. But it was just it was way too much. Like some of the visuals and that would really freak the hell out of me. Like my cousin used to have. 2000 ADs as well that used to scare the shit out of me. 2000 um, AD scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah. Even up yeah. to like 13 when it probably shouldn't have scared the shit out of me anymore. There was still something that was a bit like, yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I, it's probably, do you know, I wouldn't be as surprised if it's been Bolland that's kind of appeared in, in both probably. of the thing, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so, yeah, so God bless him. Like, he, he, he tried to. he tried to um, introduce me to it and it didn't work. But then as I got older, um, my my mom very much kept me in uh, in comics as well. I mean, uh, she used to she used to watch a lot of QVC, and then when it came on to um, you know, the top of the sections of like Buffy Night or Pokemon Night or whatever, like that kind of stuff, um, she would always say like, "Are you wanting the comics bundle?" Because the comics bundle was always going cheaper than anything else. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those where it was only on for a night, so the the price would get really really low, and I think it was a Buffy one one night she got the Buffy one and as an add-on they threw in like 50 of the number ones from that year or something like that just random issues from different publishers and stuff like that yeah so I ended up with like a Hulk wedding issue um ended up with um Shadow of the Bat and loads of stuff, like just loads of stuff that was just kind of chucked in. So, yeah, I was kind of, I was being kind of, I was kind of being facilitated at every turn, kind of chucked comics at every turn. And I think if I had been afraid to show that off to my mates, I think I would have been like completely crushed. And the fact that I was able to show it off to them, was that was it. You know, I mean, there was no way I was ever going to give up comics kind of thing. So they've stuck by me through and through. So for me, very much so, like, that's why now, being 30 years old, I'm still chatting comics with my pals, albeit very different ones, because the ones that I had grown up are arseholes. Um <laughs> <laughs> the comics thing did not stick with them past 20s. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm still chatting comics now with my pals and, and still um, very much falling down that rabbit hole, be it on different different terms and, you know, very much falling into the indie scene and stuff like that. And 
even that in itself that's been a that's been a whole different discovery all in itself it's been like a proper life story yeah. as told through comics you know what i mean it's unbelievable it wasn't till thinking about your question of why comics that kind of came to that like shit my life has really been dictated by a lot of the comic books that i've read <laughs> it's quite which i'm not complaining like that's incredible um to have to have such a hobby that's actually managed to transcend an entire life is uh, is pretty spectacular. To be fair, I mean, I've been a hardcore gamer. I've been a massive movie buff. Um, I've fallen in and out of drawing. Uh, I've 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 followed countless amounts of different fads and skating and everything you know what i mean but comics has kind of been the constant it's been the one that stuck out it's been sort of sitting in the background like we're still here dude like just waiting for you <laughs> i think because there's a comic for every sort of aspect of your life kind of thing it's like i got into comics with superman I was a big superman fan that was a big thing in forming my moral code shall we say yeah for want of a better term and then as I wanted to be a bit darker and broodier teenager, I got into Batman yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, branched out into the really dark stuff on, you know, like Hellblazer and that sort of thing. And then when I became a father, I went back to Superman. Cause I was like, that's the kind of moral standout that I want to project onto my children. Nice. Cause Batman's awesome, but he's not a great role model. No, he really isn't. Especially with taking on little children and completely warping them. <laughs> Is it, how, like, how, many, how many dead Robins have you got now? Yeah, exactly. So my kid drew a picture the other day. It was um, Batman dead, and it was on his tombstone it said he killed all his Robins and replaced <laughs> them. <laughs> wow. I, I was like, even at seven, you've got that down. <laughs> God. Well, at least he understands. That's a, that's a good thing. He's got a good understanding of uh, life and death right there. <laughs> but, but it's one of those things, all those people that are like, oh, if I could be anybody, I'd be Batman. It's like, would you, though? Because let's take a look at Batman. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's funny. It's a it's a question I've started posing to people at the end of. Um, well, have you? I don't know if you've seen. I've, I've been doing interview, um, sort of podcasts with with people. Yeah, it's I listened of... to the James Lawrence one the other day. Oh, did you? After <laughs> after me mentioning it as well. So because that's what reminded me, I needed to back Legend of Mariposa. <laughs> oh right, okay, <laughs> nice one. Um, oh, that's good. That's giving somebody a reminder. That's good. Um, but yeah, I've, I've sort of posed to people at the end, like Batman or Superman, and the amount of people that have said Batman. Now, it's great, and loads of people, I love that people are so passionate about it as well, because when they say it, it usually comes with a caveat of like, I fucking love Batman, you know what I mean? And they really yeah. get into it. But I just feel like, really, do you want to go down that route of of, of Batman and, and his actual moral compass? Because it's it's not great. To be fair. <laughs> and not just that, it's like your parents have got to be dead. That's seven years yeah. of training, like yeah. hardcore training. There's the thing as well of like, he's got a very dubious moral compass. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, I don't like it. It's bad. Punch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. That's not always the way to get out of something. What, what did you say? Punch it. <laughs> that's, it. Like, and that's what people don't get about Superman. Is Superman punching is generally a last resort. Yes, it is. And you'll usually try to talk somebody out of something before you'll do anything else. And there's always that whole thing of like the the sheer showing up of Superman, the, the, the symbolism of his S, like his cape floating in the sky, like him actually appearing 
from even miles away, if anybody sees Superman, it's like, oh shit, we're we're done for. You mean like we're done? Whereas with Batman, you don't even get that chance. You just get taken out before you even know he's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even if they do see him, I tend to find a lot of people have, especially it's always written, a lot of people have the stupid thing of like, but he's just a guy, so I'm going to try and take him out all the same. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even the ones that don't know that he's just a guy, it's always like, just try and shoot him. You know what I mean? Whereas when it comes to Superman, I think words got around enough through people that are like, well, I'm not going to try and shoot him. It's just going to bounce back. They see him and it's like, oh, fine, I'll give up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, forget it. Have I got any kryptonite? No, no. Oh, well, forget it then. Take take me away. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like you just be like, I'm not even going to bother trying to commit a crime. Yeah, exactly. It's that great thing in Bendis's recent Man of Steel miniseries where you've got two criminals talking and they're like avoiding certain keywords. Right. And you think it's going to, and they're, you know, afraid that he's going to show up. Yeah. And at first you think they they got to be talking about Batman, but then it's like, it's Superman. Yeah. Cause like, he's no, he's there. out of town. He's across the world. And they say one key word and Superman just appears. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I just think that's great. And it's funny, that's something that was in Superman Returns. Now, that's uh, that's quite a, a dubious film overall, but that was a bit that was in Superman Returns that was See, just... I, I've got more love for Superman Returns than I used to have. But I think it's just... it's It's got the whole Kevin Spacey of it all. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of Kevin Spacey films that I like, so I've just had to learn to separate the man from the character kind of thing. <laughs> I've got a, I've got that horrible moral compass that just can't do it at all, and it's 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 a thing of I'd love to be able to to separate out, but I just I, I can't at all. See, I've got to because I love LA Confidential so much. Yeah, <laughs> that Is I it... can't never watch LA Confidential again. I, I say that, but I'll probably sit down to seven one day, and I'll, I'll seven's watch kind of all like... right though because he's a dick in that anyway. Yeah, he gets fucking. American shit. Beauty's <laughs> difficult to watch now. Oh yeah, and I loved that yeah. film, but it's yeah. just kind of like it's all icky now. <laughs> I've got the horrible thing as well of like I, I, when I look into, like if I look into like an actor or somebody that I admire, I it usually goes as far as like their height, their likes and dislikes, who they're married to, something like that. I never usually go straight into the headlines, so I never ever found out anything about Kevin Spacey like at all, nothing. Like there was apparently loads of stuff for years, and you go back now, and there is there's articles dating back for years of like fucking hell, this guy's a dubious prick. You know what I mean? Um, but I loved him, I absolutely loved him, and I remember saying to my mates like, "Oh God, I just I absolutely adore him. I think he's an amazing actor." The, the, the actors. To be actor. fair, he is an amazing actor. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But and like, I re- always loved him being interviewed. It's like his episode of Inside the Actors Studio was one of my favourite. Yeah, where he comes up with all the impressions. Where he does the impressions, and he's just yep. genuinely likable. Yep. But I, and uh, he's like, that was that was all a front. He really is a good actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. As as one of my pals quite um, quickly pointed out to me, he's like, yeah, he's such a good actor. He managed to lie his way through life. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Just that was a solar plex punch I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a tricky thing because it's like you can't not watch a film because of one guy when there were so many other awesome. It's like Lele Confidential. Everybody in that is top notch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I st- I still haven't watched that. That's a 
fucking fantastic. Obviously, you've got the difficult thing now of you can't really love the Kevin Spacey character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a film that's always been there, and I always saw it in like video shops and stuff as I was growing up. But it's just never ended up in front of me. I don't know how. It's just never ended up on the telly or anything for it's, me. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of a hard sell to people. It's like it's a thirty set noir. It's like mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh-huh. but yeah, no. The, um, I think I know the bit you're on about in Super Mario. Is it the bit where he's hovering in space? Yes, just and he's just listening to... out. Yeah. It's that film's kind of... got some great Superman visuals in it. That it does. Bullet hit in his eye. Yep. Yep. Just the, the earnestness of if it wasn't for the fact that he's forever living in the shadow of playing a Christopher Reeve type, yeah, rather than being his own Superman. It is a shame, but at the same point, I think Routh totally pulled it off as well. I was, oh, he did. I, I was so in love with him in the cinema. I remember sitting watching him and just being like, "Fucking hell, this guy is amazing!" And I still remember like there were kids that were bored out of their mind as they were watching it. A pal of mine that I was with was just like, "God, what is this?" And I was just like <laughs> eyes agape, looking at it like this is amazing. Um, just absolutely loved him, and I really liked. Like, people hate it, but I loved the whole super kid thing that was going on like that whole thing of the piano sitting there and the next minute it's like on top of the guy i was like yeah That's amazing. Um, and then he stops having asthma at that point as well i'm like yes like it's it's cheesy you saw it coming a mile off but at the same point i was like it's just brilliant like it, it had all the apings of of being a sort of christopher reeve thing and maybe that was just what i was looking for but pff, i think it did a fucking great job you know what i mean yeah, I think the biggest missed opportunity of that film was in following on from the Christopher Reeve films. As well as it did it, you were in a perfect position to reboot Superman. Yeah, that's true. Instead of clinging onto that, and they just yeah. they missed the opportunity. I genuinely think that had Brandon Routh had a couple more films to become his own Superman. Yeah, well, he was, would have been up there as one of the best. Was it not? Um, what's his face? Cal uh, McLaughlin that was in for it first. Uh. Henry Cavill was up for it when it was J.J. Abrams, I think. All right, okay. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was. O'clock. Yeah, I want to say there were loads of people. There was Nick Cage at one point. Yeah, God, I remember that. Superman Lives. <laughs> I still haven't watched that documentary, but I always see the the video of him getting the suit put on. I was kind of disappointed by that, but I think it's because by that point I knew it all anyway. Ah, right, reading okay. various things and through Kevin Smith talking about his experience with it on the, one of the evening widths. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd had the interview and everything done with the guy that made the film as well, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and um, But yeah, that was just... That was another thing. Of, I'm always torn with when they adapt it to a film. It's like, why are you taking that for a film if you're going to do something completely different with it? But at the same time, it's interesting to see a different spin on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just doesn't always land. It it's... just seems like a waste. <laughs> yeah. But then I've always got the comics to go back to, so it's it's funny the um the uh, the the Nick but the more I look at the the Nick Cage um outfit and stuff that he had in the long hair and stuff like that, I always think of uh oh what was the uh, I want to say it's one of the animated features, but I can't remember. There was one where it's kind of like an alternative DC timeline. And that Superman's been locked away in like an underground bunker. Oh, it's Flashpoint. Flashpoint, that's it. Yeah, thank you. I was fucking lost there. Like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it's Flashpoint. <clears throat> yeah, he, he looks more and more like that Superman when he eventually breaks out. 
in his yeah. hovering, like just just dead skinny and scraggly and stuff like that. And yet that was like years before that even came out. Um, but yeah, it just looks more and more like that every time. And I kind of think if they did that with it, I would have loved to have. If they did something like that with it, I would have loved to have seen that Nick Cage Superman. But otherwise, ooh, that would have been fucking ropey. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those ones that would be an interesting animated movie. Yeah, yeah. If they could get the cast that they had lined up to get mm-hmm. Nick Cage to do the voice and everything. Oh, God. That'd be great. See, I want the opinion, though, that I don't think Superman should be too bulky. No, I think that's true. Reeves, Routh, Dean Kane sort of had the right sort of build for Superman. Yep. Because, you know, his strength is in him. It's not his physicality kind of thing. Dean Kane had the broad shoulders. Yeah. But everything else was... I see at times when you when you look back at Dean Cain, his stomach wasn't like it wasn't like the chiseled. I think he had a kind of sort of George Reeves thing going on about it, to be honest. Like where you could almost see a wee bit of a not a belly, but like just a wee bit of a normal stomach poking yeah. through. And you're just like, oh, like I like that. Was this. kind of the thing though in the early mid nineties. It wasn't about the six pack so much. It was just about being. <laughs> no, exactly. It Dad was about Bill. Yeah, it was about being. You know all the. Um, all the principles that Superman stands for and being an actual figure to look up to and not <laughs> feared. Because <laughs> now, now everybody looks at Henry Cavill's Superman and goes, oh, fuck no, Jesus. That's it. I love that with Man of Steel. It's like, you know, hope, hope. It means hope. It's all about hope. It's like nothing you're showing me. You're saying uh, hope a lot. But you're not showing it to me. We went miles to go and see that film because everywhere that we wanted to go and see it was sold out uh, just by off chance on the day Um, and we ended up in like Aberdeen or something like that to go and watch it and I remember coming out there and being like we travelled all that way to see that shit and just being so angry at that film I just remember when I had a half turn at me and being like calm the fuck down it's just a film and I'm like no no, it's not just a movie. They are ruining Superman. <laughs> and getting like proper fanboy about it as well. But I think I'd just been, I'd been so excited by the teasers and that they'd come out about the kid with the cape on and stuff like that. And being like, God, this is going to be great. And not put off by the fact that one of my least favorite actors of all time, actually one of my most hated actors of all time was in it, Kevin Costner. <gasps> Um, That's it. This is over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stick him. Um, him and Dennis Quaid, man. Oh, hate them. Hate them. <laughs> um, but I love me some Costner. <laughs> I still. Uh, oh, god. Um, See Costner's performance in that—that that bit where um, kid Clark Kent says, "Can't I just carry on pretending to be your son?" And he's like, you are my son, and his voice breaks. I was like, oh, fucking God. Yeah, but just before that, he tells him to hide in the shadows. Yeah, I'm talking about in the trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the, I nearly cried at the trailer, actually, in the film. I was like, what kind of Jonathan Kent are you? Because Jonathan Kent is like one of the great comic book fathers. Yeah, exactly. Particularly from that burn run Yep. from like 86 onwards. Yep. And that's the mistake I always think they make, and they made again, is that they kill off the Kents. It's like you need those. That's what grounds Superman or grounds Clark. You need sort of that home, small town home route for him to keep going back to. Well, they even kind of had that within uh, the death of Superman, didn't they? I mean, Jonathan ends up having a heart attack and then seeing him in the afterlife sort of thing is almost like a Jesus figure. And it's just like, fuck, man, this is amazing. 
just that whole thing about the Kents having their own little funeral for him where they bury his toy in the scrapbook yeah. building up and all that. It's like, fucking hell. Oh, that whole thing was just... That was heartbreaking. That whole funeral for a friend... That's it. I've said it before. People always just dismiss Death of Superman as like, you know, it's just a big punch up. It's like, yeah, it is, but it's building up to the actual story. Yeah. It's like, that's like your pre credit sequence. Yep. But for the longest time, man, that was the story to me. Like, I loved Death of Superman, even though it was kind of an introduction to the death of a character, which is ridiculous. Um, I absolutely adored it. Like, watching this big, massive behemoth and knowing that regardless if everybody got beaten down, Superman was going to win. And it's like, he did win, but he lost as well. I can't, I, like, I cannot he, he believe it. He won by losing kind of thing. Yeah. And every and... time I reread that, I said it the other day, that, you know, I still genuinely, there's part of me that even though I know how it ends, it's like, this is the time he's going to fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Was that when you were speaking to Dave Sim? Uh, Steve Sim, yeah, it might have been, yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry, Steve Sim, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, tend, I tend to repeat myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 so good. I, I just listened to it today, so it's, it's um... fresh in my memory. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, man, it's... it's <sighs> and that's the key bit that everybody misses, that funeral for a friend. Yep. Because that's more about Superman than probably most other things with Superman in it. Well... It's funny because Funeral for a Friend is actually, when you look at it as well, it is just the story of Christ. Yeah. But through the through the prism of Superman, like all the, the leaguers and stuff being the apostles and uh, Lois Lane being sort of Mary Magdalene and all this kind of stuff. Like you're just like, ah, right, okay. <laughs> I get it. And they even go to his, his you know, his, his grave and, and roll away. It's almost like they roll away the stone kind of thing and have a look and the, the coffin's empty and it's like, fucking hell, I'm sure I heard about this like in assembly. <laughs> <laughs> but you get that amazing Lex Luthor bit where he's talking to Superman's body. Yes. Yep. The whole gotcha thing. Yep. It's like, that is fucking superb comic writing. It's the thing as well when he's uh, you know, he's halfway through judo and he's like, it should have been me. It should have been me. Like... I was the one that was meant to take you down and all this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, amazing. I just, oh. It's that whole thing where Superman comes back. Yeah. He's like, of course I want him to be fucking dead, but we need him. <laughs> oh, I just I absolutely adore it. Welcome to the Superman Appreciation Hour with, uh, <laughs> with Tom and Stu. <laughs> New podcast, writing it down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> There's not enough appreciation of Superman. But, there um, isn't, I think, because he's easily dismissed as everybody, hokey. <laughs> yeah, everybody dismisses him as like, oh, he's the one, he's, he's the um, the easy out. Everybody sees him as like, oh, you know, he's, he's got an easy out for his, um, his powers, he's got everything, that's it. And it's like, well, not really. There is weaknesses, there is aliens that can take him on that he has a weakness to, you know, just like there's robbers that have a contraption that Batman has a weakness to. They're all ostensibly going to be the same sort of stories depend uh, regardless of what the hero is it just depends on how it's written and if it's written well and if it's not written well it looks like superman's to blame because he's got the, every power under the sun when really it's just somebody writing it poorly yeah that's it i mean i can't remember which career it was but he said that the thing about superman that is what makes him great isn't the power he's got it's the fact that his heart beats slightly different to everybody else's yeah 
that he's always it's not about what he can do it's about the consequences of what he can do and the things that he knows he can't do yeah totally. like you know he can't save everybody kind of thing no and he um, knows it and it's I think it's in an episode of Lois and Clark where Lois says about you know it's the idea of what he can do the symbol that knowing that you know there's the possibility of Superman yeah kind of thing I think that's what he's Superman for me is the definitive comic book character if if you told me you could only have one comic book character, that's what comic books should be. Yeah. Everything else is a variation on Superman. Yeah, very much so. Very much you so. know, it, it inspires something in you, I think. Well, for me, personally, he inspires something in me. He's fun to read, even the dark Superman stuff. Yeah. There is that hopeful element to it. If it's written well, badly written Superman stuff, it's awful. <laughs> oh, it's just terrible. It's, There's some it's... really wanky Elseworlds stories where they're kind of like, you know, the world's been wiped out and now Superman is like, just not Superman anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's... and why? Because, I don't know. <laughs> Superman's boring as he is, isn't he? Yeah. One of the, I think one of the best Superman, uh, one of the best sort of Superman that's written is within Kingdom Come as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when they come to Kingdom Come, you know, he's just working out on a farm, as, yeah. as a Kent would, not as not as Superman would, not as Kal El would, but as a Kent would. He's got his dungarees, his big beard, long hair. You know, he's just working away, and it's like, yeah, he would. If he was gonna retire per se, he would just be working away and trying to do best to what he can and keep everything sort of on a singular level, kind of thing. That's it, and just sort of at a place where he's found peace. Yeah, yeah. It's just unbelievable. I just, oh, I, I love him. I absolutely love him. Oh, thank you for that, mate. I'm, I'm sitting <laughs> like, I just, I love Superman. <laughs> oh, absolutely but, adore Superman. But yeah, that's that's definitely, that's like an early, that's an early, early one for me. And it's one, that is, that's another one that's that's stuck with me through and through as well and it's so much so that i've, I've kind of forced myself to keep collecting superman i mean I, I i do have a i have a shit ton of batman but i think it's it sounds really odd but i think it's easier to find batman trades yeah. and whole batman stories and stuff like that whereas i think it's, it's and, kind and batman of, is a great character yeah oh he's he's, <laughs> he's tremendous and he's got a great rogues gallery and I'm a massive fan of Robin, regardless of what iteration maybe, except from Damien. Um, see, I always loved Tim Drake, Robin. See, I'm a I'm a massive Dick Grayson guy. Oh, gee, come on. Give yes, me, give me, give me. Give I, mean, me. I love Dick Grayson, but I was Dick Grayson was always more Nightwing for me by the time I got into it. Ah, right, okay. So there was just some, Tim Drake looked cool. Yeah, his Robin yeah, yeah. suit was cool. Yep. He, t- he didn't have the little pixie boots and. <laughs> yeah, Tim Tim Drake uh, animated series. Um, Robin, really good as well. Really nice. Um, yeah, just... But, you know, he, he does have all that and he's he's got a good supporting cast and stuff like that as well, but I don't know, man. There's just there's, there's something about Superman that just has that extra edge. But I, I do, I keep... Um, I kind of force myself to keep collecting the stuff. Like, I've went out of my way to kind of collect the stuff that people term the worst era of Superman as well. I'm 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 collecting all the electric blue and red uh Superman comics. Yeah, see uh, that was sort of where I dropped off Superman. Yeah, sort of I am around um, the end of the Mike Carlin as editor era. 
Right, okay. That was kind of where I tailed off and moved See, a bit Louis... more into Batman and then Green Lantern. Louise Simonson's still on that Superman, so I'm 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 good. I'll yeah. stick with that, you know what I mean? But it's I think it's just also the fact of like I kind of I sometimes force myself to pick up the stuff that's deemed as unpopular. Now just purely on the level I kind of think like what makes it so unpopular? Why why don't people like this? You know what I mean? So I'm trying that to Superman help. Red Blue was interesting. It wasn't always it well was... executed, but it's no. some really great ideas in it. There's there's some stories in it that are ridiculous. I mean there's whole issues of just Lois um for like four issues straight constantly being like what one is you? Is it the red you or the blue you? And she then she then gets her shit together for like a couple of pages, and then the next one she's like, mm, I'm so confused. And you're like, this has been going on for four fucking books. This is ridiculous. It's like a bad um, Adam Sandler comedy, isn't it? Yeah. And like he had he had a lot of fights with giants at that point. And I was like, why is he just continually fighting big behemoth things that can't even fit on the page? And then you realize it's because they couldn't be bothered drawing backgrounds. So they just drew like a bit of an arm, <laughs> or a bit of something with Superman in front of it, and you're like, ah, oh, okay. It's because they were being forced to fucking churn them out. So they were like, I, I can't draw a whole city, put a giant in that city, and I only have to draw a part of that thing's chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, all oh, right, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, they did yeah, a lot interesting villain wise because they'd done away with Lex Luthor at that point, hadn't they? They did, yeah. And they brought in a lot of like otherworldly things to for him to fight. And they brought in like alternative Superman and stuff for him to fight and stuff like that. And he had a lot of stuff to do with like the bottle city of Candor and stuff at that yeah. point as well. Um, because he was energy, he could um, phase himself in and out easier. He didn't have to shrink down by, by some ray or anything like that. He could actually just put himself in and stuff. Um, yeah, I just find the energy thing like really interesting. It was played really well in um, Morrison's GLA run as well. Yeah, he played one really well. Not that I'm I'm not a Morrison fan in any way, shape, or form, but I like his GLA run definitely. I'm I'm not. I'm I appreciate what Morrison does, and I think some of the stuff Morrison does is really interesting. But again, I think the execution on some of it is. Style over substance. Yeah, I can't, I can't fucking stand him. I can't stand him. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it. I could listen to the man talk to the ends of the earth and back. He's a great talker, but see, once he's actually all said and done, I'm like, that's that's great. You've talked a big game, but now show me in your comics what you're saying because at the minute you ain't showing me dick. This is <laughs> this is absolute shit, like absolute horseshit. I remember just trying to read the Invisibles and getting about halfway through and being like, why the fuck am I getting this? <laughs> and then going back to it and being like, right, it's because I have to read it again. And I'm like, you don't fucking tell me I have to read this again. Fuck you. <laughs> it just annoys me. Everything that he writes, it's that it's it's with the it's with the complete preface, the, uh, the complete um, uh, kind kind of he's kind of forcing you uh, per se to go back. Yeah, you're going to have to read this once, but you're not going to understand it until you go back again. And you've always got that niggling when you pick up a Morrison book that, like, I'm going to have to read this twice. <laughs> I, I really just want to read a fucking comic and get it done. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I like my head to go into a good mystery and disappear into into something. But fuck, I don't want to just completely be befuddled the entire time and then have to go back and read it and be like, oh, now I get it. Like, fuck. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Fuck you, Morrison. 
your, your feelings on Morrison are similar to my feelings on Frank Miller. <laughs> I, oh, I, know, yeah. I know it's sacrilege to say, but I've just never got on with Frank Miller. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah, no, I, I do get that. I do enjoy Frank Miller a bit more, but yeah, I do very much understand you on that. So, it's one of those ones. I fully appreciate the impact of his books, and I really like Batman Year One and his first Daredevil run. Mm. Um, but then it was just kind of like you had nothing new but to keep churning those ideas back out again in different forms. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's oh, just, the the thing with Miller that I can't get past is that he's just had. I think he's just had too many years now of kind of weird drug induced. Cool. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's problematic as a person, though. <laughs> yeah. But then just, I... Dark Knight Returns never spoke to me. It wasn't the Batman I was looking for at the time. Yeah. Everybody was telling me to read it, and it wasn't the Superman that I knew. Yeah, oh, you just had a and, You know, I get that it's important to some people, and more power to them. Yeah. Well, my, I, well, my I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm just saying, for me, he does nothing for me. Yeah, exactly. And my, my friend of mine, who doesn't really read comics per se like so on the regular um i gave him dark knight returns and he loved it but he hates superman so he absolutely adored it yeah it's kind of like yeah i get it i was like i understand why you would like this and he's like yeah because he fucking beats him and blah, blah blah i'm like yep yep i know exactly what you're saying see everything you're saying put it in reverse for me there you go <laughs> <laughs> i haven't even touched his superman year one no, and yet it gets hailed as like quite a really good comic, but I just I can't. I, can't. I just he doesn't understand Superman for me, so uh, and I I'm, figure I'm, it's just easier to let that be somebody else's Superman. Yeah, I'm not a massive Romita Junior fan either. To be fair, um, like I, I like some of his stuff, but I'm more of a sort of Romita Junior early years um, fan. The later yeah. stuff, it's just all a bit. It's it's going a bit sort of. It's all on the verge of becoming Frank Miller, really. Um, all that kind of chunky, uh, sort of misproportioned, weird-looking characters, sort of thing. Um, and big knuckles and stuff like that. I know they're <laughs> at the end of the day, they're all just really emulating fucking Kirby and just doing a really shit job at it. Yeah. But, but you know, it's 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 just it just doesn't bode well me at all. And if I can't get on with it visually, then I'm not going to bother trying to read it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say that's sort of my one problem with comics as a medium. Sometimes you can have a great story, but if the artwork's clunky, <laughs> yeah. Oh, see the amount of books I've like the amount of comics I've read and thought like that story was really great, but fuck me, that art was bogging. <laughs> was awful. Um, it's just unbelievable, and it's funny because it usually comes out of only. The sort of big two as well. Um, maybe Image every now and then as well. I've read a couple of Image books where I've been like, fuck, that art is horrendous. But fuck me, this story is really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I always struggled with Man of Steel in the period where I liked Superman. So was it John Bogdanovich doing the art on that at the time? Right, okay. And he's a great artist, but I just don't like his style at all. <laughs> so I really struggled with those comics. Because I was such a Dan Jurgens and... um. Reading fan, yes. the way they did Superman, yeah, yeah, that it really jarred with me when I get to the Man of Steel ones, yeah. And it's like stylistically, it's it's nice. It's just not my thing. And I'm not saying he's a bad artist. It's just you know in that way that certain art doesn't speak to you, kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's that thing. And, and yeah. that was annoying because it was that was the one Louis Simonson wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it so really. It's like, is. I love her writing, but the art's kind of dragging me out of it a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's, that's when um, that's when a lot of the titles um, deviated off um, around that time as well, and you had about four different Superman titles at that point. Yeah, you, you had, had like, Man of Steel, Man of Steel. Adventures, oh, Action, fuck. and Superman. Yeah, and you were just kind of like, fuck, chaps. You know I mean, you but had at least kinda... they did that handy thing where they had the little Superman-shaped symbol that told you what week and what, yeah. what year and what number it was yeah, within the continuity true. story. They also had the thing of... Yeah, within... The, yeah, sorry, yeah. They actually told you one of so many or yeah. two of so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have noticed... 93 at the top and then 52 or whatever. Yeah. However that fit in with the four comics kind of thing. I've noticed that a lot on the um, the red and blue stuff. It'll have, like... Like I, I, I picked up a, a whole run of them at a, a comic shop, um, where they've been bundled together, and then I've taken them out, and it's been like four different arcs together, but they've all got a little box that says one of four, two of yeah. four, three of four, and it's like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, uh, why don't more of them do this? <laughs> well, that was the great thing about, particularly the Carlin era, was his editor boxes were always good fun as well. Right. He was very much of that Stanley editor box kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is possibly something he took over from Marvel with him, right? Okay, but and his letters page in the back was ace as well. That's oh. something I've always struggled with is reading the the letters pages and things. I think it's because it's too much. It then becomes too much prose, so it becomes <laughs> too much of a chore for me. I'm like, oh, like I say, like mine is always on a really visual standpoint first and foremost before anything else. See, so, I was always weird with the letter pages. I'd read the reply first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be like, if I liked the reply, I'd go back and read the letter to see what they were yeah. getting at in the main crux of the letter. Because <laughs> some people wrote like three page fucking letters. Yeah, exactly. And it was usually getting to a thing of like, so I think you'll find if you go back to issue 93 and then 94, there's a continuity error. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck off. <laughs> Before we sort of wrap it up, have you got a couple of recommendations or anything or shout outs that you'd like to do? Um, Well, I'll always give a. I always give a massive shout out to all the all the guys at that comic smell, uh, David Giuseppe, Mike, and Nando, big time. Um, but funnily enough, Dave is usually my uh, my recommendation every time. I am um, I'm a massive fan of um, David's comics. He's uh, he goes under as Fred Egg Comics. Fred um, Egg. Fred <laughs> nice. Egg. Yeah. It's the uh, it, he told me a wee while back. It's the Dundonian way of saying fried egg, so like a fried <laughs> egg. Um, but yeah, so he goes under his, um, Fred Egg Comics, and David's work is just unbelievable. Like he just he's he's very much a creator that'll just do what he's feeling kind of thing. So if he's feeling an autobio for the day, he'll do an autobio one. If he's feeling a bit of sci-fi he'll do a sci-fi strip nice. um he just kind of does what he wants and then he just collects them all into these sort of personal anthology type things well the collections but you know what i mean it's yeah it's because he's got that many genres and that many styles going all over it it then becomes a, a an anthology of sorts um, that's the great thing about comics as well isn't it if you yeah. want to do that you can just do it <laughs> yeah exactly you, you want to do something do it that's it. You try walking into Warner Brothers or something and be like, yeah, I want to do this anthology that's one's a bit sci-fi, one's all <laughs> like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. What are you, fucking Black Mirror? Piss off. <laughs> all right, okay. Um, but yeah, like, um, Dave's Dave's just a, an absolute comics machine. Like, every time I, I, I speak to him, he's, he's working on something. I mean, at the minute, he's working on his upcoming 
title um, Bell Time, which has been his sort of web um, his web collection, uh, where he was doing sort of six panel. I think it was it six or nine. Oh, I want to say. I want to say it's six. I think it's six panel pages. Um, every sort of week or so, and now he's got so many that it's made into one big story. A bit of time travel, a bit of sort of autobio ish from sort of emulating the time he was working in a school library. Um, yeah, just really, really funny, but just dead straight to the point. He just kind of has done what he's done and this is it kind of thing. And I think that's what I really like about his stuff as well. It's like, this is what I've got. You can like it or you can not like it. I don't care, but I'm still putting it out regardless. You know what I mean? Um, I, I love that sort of stuff, in, particularly in small press. Yeah, yeah, completely. Again, um, I think it's easy sometimes to overthink it and talk yourself out of it. So yeah. I love that kind of creativity. You're just like, this is it. You can like it or don't. <laughs> Well, he's he's kind of the catalyst um, towards me doing anything. Like I've now got him in in my head every time because when I say I'm thinking about doing something, he if I say it to him, his automatic thing is just do it. Like he straight away is like just just do it, just make it, just just put it out there, just do it. I'm like oh, okay, fine. So now I have that in my head all the time. If I wanted, if I'm thinking about doing something, I'm like, well, I'm thinking about doing it now, so I'd be as well doing it. Um, so if if you can be happy with the mentality of this might only reach one person, yeah, and celebrate the fact that there's one other person out there that's like I fucking love this, yeah, kind of, and it's and it's always more than one person. Your audience is always bigger. It's just you know getting to that point where you build that audience up, kind of thing. Yeah, that's that but thing it's just, as well. It's not getting too disheartened by sitting there behind a table and being like, oh, I only sold like three books today. <laughs> well, that's... Oh, fuck. I, that's another thing that I love about his mentality as well, is he goes to... If he does a con and sits behind a table, um, it comes to the end, like, loads of people come away from cons being like, oh, I didn't really make any money, or blah, blah, blah. You come away with David, and you say to him, like, so how, how did you do? He goes, oh, I sold, like, two books. Now, most people would react like, oh, man, he's like... Well, I was there. There's two people that have had the books, and he's like, "People have seen it." That's all I'm caring. I'm like, "Fucking right, man!" Like, I just, I love, I love people in comics that have got that kind of sheer optimism and drive just to do something because fuck it, I can do it. That's it. You got to, man, because there's so much other stuff going on on that day. I was like, I when I was at Nottingham, I was next to Andy. I joked that my table was Andy's waiting room because people seemed to politely <laughs> browse at my stuff while they were waiting to get to his table. <laughs> so we were like, we're just like his waiting room. <laughs> it's like we got a magazine if you want to peruse that while you're waiting. <laughs> nice. And uh, you know, a couple of people bought stuff. That's and, good uh, though. I sort of went on that roller coaster. Where I was like, you know, this is going to be amazing. And I'm what I would call as you know realistically optimistic, yeah, <laughs> or realistically hopeful in that you know I if I sell two or three I've done what I went to do kind of thing. If I yeah, sell yeah. none and just have an awesome day I've done what I went to do. Anything else is just the cherry on top kind of thing. Yeah, totally. But um, but the um, but you sort of go on that roller coaster of like this is going to be amazing. Nobody's buying my stuff. This is shit. I don't know why yeah. I even bother trying it. And then somebody <laughs> will look at it and talk to you about it. And you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> It was all worth it. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. Definitely. But, um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other recommends. Well, obviously, I'm going to I'm gonna shout out 
obviously to uh, the team at the Comic Art Festival podcast as well, because those guys have been absolutely amazing to have me on to speak small press. Um, awesome. Yeah, like, <laughs> honestly, to sit there and just chat about small press books and actually have a place to put it out, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, could, I can talk for Britain as it is anyways, if you get me on the right topic. Um especially when it comes to comics, but for them to actually be like, do you want to do this over here? I'm like, fuck yeah, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, that was, yeah, definitely, like Ian and, Ian and Nicky were, were really kind to to give me that big time. And they put, I think they do a really good show. Um, yeah, I started listening to it recently. I think they were on The Awesome Pod, I want to say. and Because uh, I had not listened to it, because I always thought it was just about the lakes podcast and it was kind of like it was on my radar but i was like yeah, if yeah. Going to the lakes what's the point yeah <laughs> it's like i do want to listen to it but it's not with all the other podcasts to listen to yeah, yeah. but it's... yeah once i realized that it was more than that it's that which, thing, you know, it... stupid on my fucking part <laughs> but they they kind of if you listen to one of the episodes they're kind of because they've got different segments from different kind of co- contributors as well like with pete and mike and now they've got myself doing it as well um you know, it kind of goes all over the place. It's, it's, it's like it's, a magazine podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're right. That is that is spot on, mate. That's spot on. It's like a magazine podcast. You're right. You've got your main whole news section and interviews or whatever, like in a in a a sort of base frontline magazine kind of thing, and then you've got your articles and your columns uh, with the other folk that are contributing to it kind of thing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I loved them before coming on to do it. I was listening to them all the time, and then they got me on to do it. And it's like, right, well, I went from <laughs> I went from a big fan to being the biggest fan. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, God, see, when people ask me for like recommendations and shoutouts and stuff, I'm like, shit, I'm gonna miss somebody. So just literally, so I don't miss anyone. I'm just going to say fucking read small press and read comics. Just go actually fuck it, just read comics. Go out there and add my suggestion to anybody, read comics, listen to comics, watch comics, do everything. Just fucking absorb it. Take it in. Drink it in. Become become a fucking comic. <laughs> Um, I fucking talk about comics, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go and speak to people about them. Like you'd be surprised the people that would want to speak back about them even people that you wouldn't think would want to speak about them just just try it try and get somebody into the conversation about it because it's it's unbelievable the people that i've spoken to that i would have never in a million years thought would talk about a comic book and now i i talk to about it on a on a regular basis i mean i met a guy whilst out of work i mean you know i a dog walk so i'm out on my own most of the time and i bumped into another dog walker and the two things that we clicked on and bonded on were comic books and punk rock and it was just like fucking i can't believe this like haven't spoken i've seen this guy for like two years solid just going past waving him in the van and the first time we get speaking it's you aren't in the comics by any chance are you <laughs> you know what i mean like amazing <laughs> oh just unbelievable but yeah like biggest recommendation that any, anybody can ever give is to go out there and just read comics don't be daunted about diving in mid-series just pick something up and just 
fall into that adventure, whether That's it be it. superheroes or anything, just 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 anything at all, just do it. I said, I guarantee there's a comic out for you somewhere. If you just type in a Google search of comics about dog walking, <laughs> I guarantee. Yeah. And if not, there... you never know. <laughs> <laughs> May you just give me some ideas there. <laughs> do it, man. <laughs> oh, honestly, see if I had if I had the right. I'm I'm one of them that I don't think I would have the attention span to continue drawing it myself. But if somebody wanted to do it with me for fuck all because I've got no money, um, if somebody wanted to do it as a passion, then fuck yeah, I'd write that thing in a heartbeat. If somebody wanted to do a whole thing on the the life and times of a dog walker, fuck yeah. The the beauty you got, man, is that nobody's waiting for it. So you can just chip away at it at your own pace. It is true. Yeah, you can just write away. Yeah. Oh fuck! See the amount of you know, you're pro- you're probably the same. The amount of stories and outlines and stuff that you've just jotted down as notes. I've got you've... notebooks full of them. Yeah, exactly. And some of them are shite. Some of them have been sitting there so long that somebody else has done it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the way of it. Time will kill a lot of good ideas, but <laughs> yeah. But then you're left with absolute gems at the end of it, and the ones that you were meant to do. It's it's usually the stupidest ideas. The ones that you overthink and then the simplest things. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna write a comic about saying hello to an actor. That's true, that... man. You 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 had a very simple concept there and it's turned into actually quite a, a poignant little piece. So it was just yeah. a stupid fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> I generally thought that if anybody looked at it they'd be like, Well that was fucking stupid. <laughs> and I don't just mean my wife. <laughs> <laughs> See, my other half won't even entertain it. If I was to write something and do it, she'd be like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> my wife used to read my film scripts, and then, you know, after a while, she just gave up on that. She's like, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many times I can smile politely and nod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so, awesome, man. Perfect. Um, and where can people find you online and whatnot if they... I'm inclined um, to do so. Well, we're on uh, we're on as a podcast on uh, Twitter and Instagram as at that comic smell. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We are on YouTube, but my God, the episodes are way behind. It's ridiculous. I need to get back on that and get them all on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, most places you get podcasts. I think if you Google us or, or stick us into any search engine, it's like the top ones that come up for that comic smell. And personally, I am on Twitter at U-R-A-M-Y-X Uramix. Um, aside from that, you can find me probably chatting to a brick wall about comic books or uh, <laughs> sitting hunting down somebody to be like, come on my podcast! Please come on my podcast! <laughs> um yeah, or standing in a field with a bunch of dogs being like, come here! Don't run away! <laughs> it's getting to that point where the podcast is like, I've got a podcast. It's like, who hasn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, fucking tell me. Like, Do you want to come on it anyway? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, when you when you start them off like a couple of years back, you're like, yes, it's not too bad. And then you kind of get into it and you're like, fucking everybody's got one. Jesus. <laughs> well, that's it. We always had the one where it was just me and Andy talking shit to each other. But now that I've started reaching out to people, people are like, oh, really? You jumped on that bandwagon as well, have you? It's like, no, I've been doing it for fucking years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's only now that I'm broadening my guest horizon. Kind of yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and um, you're going to be at any upcoming cons or anything? Or... Um, not tabling, but I will be with 
David, because he's going to Thought Bubble. Um, well, actually, David, myself, and Mike are kind of turning it into like a weekend away and going to Thought Bubble. Nice. So I'll be I'll be like a punter there, but I'll also be looking after David's table uh, at some point. Um, give me a second. I'll actually get you David's where he's going to be. Because uh, I did ask him on the advent that this might happen. <laughs> um, let me see. We'll be at table 214 in the Mercy Hall. Um, but yeah, it'll be David and he's, we'll have a table mate with us. We'll have uh, Olivia Hicks of uh, Webcomics um, fame. Uh, so yeah, it should be a, a lot of fun. Definitely. I'm actually really looking forward to it because of my first thought bubble. Um, so should be really, really good. But I'll probably stand in whilst he goes away to some of the panels or whatever as well. So yeah, just listen out for my stupid Scottish voice dotting about. Like, let's be fair, a Dundonian accent is going to stick out a fucking mile off in the middle of Harrogate. You know what I mean? <laughs> just pretend it's all your work while he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I don't know, some of them I'd probably be like, yeah, I did that, and they'd look and go, this one's a bit sexy. I'd be like, maybe not that one. <laughs> nah, lean into it. <laughs> I, I, you know what, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'd definitely take credit for all of David's work. I absolutely love it as well. <laughs> I'm like a total fanboy for it as well, so I'd be telling them all the stories and everything and being like, and this one, and this one. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, just, uh, just Thought Bubble, um, just because we've put away money for it basically and put away the, the time and effort and got the work off kind of thing aside from that I don't know if we'll be doing much cons or anything the following year or anything like that I'm in the midst of saving for a house so yeah. I kind of need to keep some cash <laughs> yeah that is the tricky thing <laughs> Yeah, I've already been in trouble once because we were only meant to be at my mum's house for a year and it's now come up for two so eee, that's my fault <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, comics, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Cheers yeah. for that. Thanks, dude. Cheers. Have a good one. And that was episode 11 of Why Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank Tom again for coming on the episode and talking comics with me and answering the big question. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Um, as always, all the links Tom gave in his episode will be in the show notes, so if you look at those, you can find the right place to go in case you missed them. And... Um, just leaves me to sort out our own links which is to say that you can find the nerds who haunted themselves on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash haunted nerds um, you can find us on twitter we're still under the at ok true believers um, the website the true believers website ok where you can find all the past podcasts uh, comics troop stuff all that sort of thing and we're on podbean as hauntednerds.podbean.com and you can also find us on spotify and itunes and wherever else probably you listen to your podcasts maybe i don't fully know um speaking of things i don't fully know you can find me online i'm on twitter as at token nerd i'm on instagram as stuart thinks he can draw and i'm on facebook at facebook.com stuart can draw uh if you like the look of my work and fancy checking out more of it you can find hello to jason isaacs and march of the robot long walk home for sale on the true believers website which is 
truebelievers.com forward slash comics uh, where you can also find Tales from Beyond Infinity 1 and 2 you can also if you prefer to read digitally and you've got a Comic House subscription you can find us on the Comic House app exclusively digitally on there and um, yeah that's pretty much it uh, be sure to check out the That Comic Smell podcast and the Lakes podcast or the Comic Files Festival podcast uh, which uh, Tom's also involved in it's a really good listen uh, well worth checking out And yeah, until next time, uh, which I haven't recorded yet, so I can't tell you what it is, uh, this has been a Nerds Who Haunt Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine, and until next time, read some awesome comics, create some awesome things, and keep spreading the four-colour word. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs)